Hello, and welcome to Hall Render's Practical Solutions Podcast and Healthcare Regulatory Update. Uh, I'm your host, Joe Wolf. I'm an attorney with Hall Render, the largest healthcare-focused law firm in the country. And today we're discussing compliance and fraud and abuse issues related to private equity investments. Today's podcast comes from Hall Render's Healthcare Regulatory Practice Group, which covers our advocacy, compliance, fraud and abuse, and litigation service lines. I have Scott Table and Aaron Drummy from our fraud and abuse and compliance service lines. Uh, Scott and Aaron, can you introduce yourselves? Uh, this is Scott, and uh, I work in the healthcare regulatory compliance space, as you indicated, in particular defending providers who are subject to government enforcement actions and also those who are fortunate enough uh, to discover compliance issues on their own, working with them to internally investigate those questions and then self-report if that is necessary. And I'm Erin Drummy. I am also a shareholder in Hall Render's uh, Healthcare Regulatory Practice Group. My practice is focused exclusively in the healthcare space with a particular uh, focus on regulatory matters, the Stark Law and fraud and abuse issues. I rejoined the firm about a year ago after spending three years in-house with a large global private equity-backed physician group. Great. Uh, thanks, thanks, Scott and Aaron, and, and thanks for being on today. Um, obviously, private equity in healthcare is, is a huge uh, topic that, that many uh, not only it, that are starting to invest in the healthcare space are focusing on, but also those healthcare organizations and physicians that are making investments into models backed by private equity. And so this is a, a topic that is getting a lot of attention in the industry. Um, and, and really happy that you're on and, and allowing our, our listeners to, to hear about this. I'm going to go through a few questions for, for Scott and Aaron and get their, get their reactions. Um, first, Aaron, I, I have a question for you, and it's sort of the level set here. When we're talking of, about private equity and healthcare in that landscape, I mean, what do we mean? And what are the types of entities and players we're talking about? And why are they getting into the healthcare space? Sure. No, it's, it's a good question. And we've certainly seen significant inc- uptick in activity with respect to private equity investment in healthcare in the last few years. Um, compared with the same period in 2020, healthcare deal volumes grew by about 56% in 2021 for private equity investment. And there were nearly 2,000 PE healthcare deals that closed in the first nine months of 2021. So, so we are certainly seeing significant volume and interest here by private equity investors in the healthcare industry. Studies have attributed um, the growth in in private equity interest and investment to reliable revenue revenue streams that are stemming from an aging population. There's also increased per capita spend on healthcare in the US, which is again, attractive to these private equity investors. We've seen a lot of interest in eye care pain management and dental practices in the past. And and those areas do continue uh, to have activity. We've also seen interest in orthopedics and oncology, I think in part due to the sizable ancillary revenue streams that are embedded in those practices. Despite some downturn early in the the pandemic, COVID has really not slowed things down much here. And we've, we've actually seen the evolution of some new opportunities and areas of interest for private equity investment, namely telehealth, uh, behavioral health, 
home health and other sort of support support services. I think PE firms have, have been able to take advantage of what is a very fragmented healthcare system in the United States. And, and they're coming in and using this, this roll-up strategy to aggregate small individual provider groups into larger providers, creating economies of scale, operating efficiencies, leverage with payers, increasing earnings. And, and we're also seeing more recently a, a huge focus on, on data. These PE firms are very data driven. And with the shift to value-based care, capitation, and other novel payer arrangements, providers really need this data and need, need to be able to leverage this data and data analytics to manage their patient base and to do well you know, in these, in these, under these payer models. While some have predicted that we may see a decrease or a slowdown in 2022, I think it's reasonable to expect there to be um, a continued interest in healthcare for private equity investment. And as such, I think it's important for providers, whether you're looking to sell or be purchased or, or as a private equity investor to have a good understanding of the healthcare regulatory framework and the, and the risks that are out there for, for these investors and the portfolio companies. Hey, th thanks, Erin, and uh, thanks for that overview of the, the PE landscape. Um, I think the next question is for Scott. You know, Scott, Aaron just described um, what that PAE landscape looks like. Um, I know you have extensive experience in the healthcare compliance space, especially related to self-disclosures. And I think at last count, you've worked on maybe over 150 CMS and OIG self-disclosures. Are there compliance and enforcement risks that come in this PAE activity? Uh, and are we seeing enforcement or do you anticipate seeing it in the future? for example, around the False Claims Act? Yeah, thanks, Joe. Um, we are seeing that trend, and we do think there's considerable uh, potential risk here for PE firms, as Aaron described, you know, based on the myriad of enforcement authorities that the government has as, at its disposal. You know, both um, from the standpoint of PE firms that may be getting into the healthcare space, uh, without full appreciation of what those risks can be, and also with those firms who become more uh, entangled with the healthcare operations such that they become targets themselves. Uh, the FCA cases really abound where the whistleblowers and the government are seeking to uh, try to get at, you know, the um, perceived deep pockets of the PE firm based on uh, their understanding as to what the PE firm knew or how it may have been involved or even incentivized the behavior in question. Great. Uh, thanks, Scott. Um, I think I have a question now for both Aaron and Scott. Aaron, you, you can take, take it first. Um, so drawing on both of your experiences, what are some of the key considerations that you think PE and maybe healthcare organizations and physicians that are doing business with PE uh, should be thinking about? Sure. So, you know, kind of piggybacking off of what, what Scott said, we've seen this evolution in case law and, and we're seeing the private equity investors held accountable for for conduct that violates the False Claims Act. I think 
you know, it's important for private equity investors and providers to be aware of this and to recognize that this series of cases holding private equity accountable will serve as a roadmap for future cases. I think we can expect there to be additional enforcement in this area. And, and folks that are that are new to healthcare or you know, with varying degrees of sophistication in this area, I think need to need to recognize this as a particular area of risk. You know, as, as Scott said, the relators and the whistleblowers are looking for a source of funds to, to secure a, a settlement or a, or a judgment. And we've seen the courts signal a willingness to find the investors liable where they, when they're deemed to have a sufficient connection to, to the activity that, that violates the, the False Claims Act. You know, in my experience, private equity firms seek to have an active role in management. They, they want to bring these efficiencies and expertise to the portfolio companies as opposed to, you know, kind of sitting back as a passive investor. And therefore, with that active role, with board seats, with, with involvement in the day-to-day -day management, I think it's important to ensure that that there's a focus on compliance, that there's a strong compliance program in place um, at both the portfolio company level as well as with the, the private equity investment firm. Yeah, and, and Joe, um, I would not only echo what uh, Aaron alluded to, but I would also uh, encourage PE firms who are interested in uh, getting into the uh, healthcare industry to do a robust uh, due diligence effort before doing so, making sure that uh, the compliance concerns that we have been discussing here are identified pre-closing. And if uh, after doing that due diligence, the PE firm wants to proceed uh, we do think that uh, a good way of doing that is to make sure to self-report uh, any activity that comes out through the due diligence as being non-compliant. It would be important, we think, in that context to start with a clean slate, keep that activity with the prior ownership, uh, and make sure that any self-reports that may be necessary are done you know, before the closing occurs. Great, um, Aaron and Scott. And, and as we look to wrap up here, do, do either of you have final thoughts for those listening in to today's podcast? Maybe Aaron, you could go first. Sure, I think I would, I would just echo Scott's comments around due diligence. I think this is, a, is an important, important issue. This, we've seen issues that have been identified during diligence, but not addressed and not remediated come up later as the source of liability from a False Claims Act perspective. So this is really important. It can lead to you know, both the destruction of the business of the portfolio company, the, the, the penalties here are, are significant, as well as fines for the, for the investment company. So in order to preserve your investment, I think it's important for folks to, to really focus on due diligence and ensure that, that there's strong regulatory counsel involved uh, in, in reviewing documents and agreements, et cetera, uh, in the due diligence process. Great. Uh, Scott, any, any final thoughts from you? Yeah, just uh, real quickly, Joe, I, I, as we've been talking about, I would make sure to go in to the activity with both eyes open. And while 
you know, revenue generation is going to be critical and uh, the infusion of capital uh, can be very helpful in these contexts. Uh, I think that going forward, the, the PE firms should not lose sight of the importance of having the compliance function be very active uh, going forward, even if it wasn't previously. Uh, so any of these risks that we've identified can be addressed before they escalate into something more significant like a government investigation. Great, uh, thanks. And thanks, Scott, and, and thanks, Aaron. Um, and thanks to all of you for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about compliance and fraud and abuse issues related to private equity investment in healthcare, please visit our website at hallrender.com or reach out to Scott at stable at hallrender.com or Aaron at edrummy at hallrender.com or your regular hallrender attorney. Please remember the views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants only and do not constitute legal advice. Thanks for listening in. Have a great day.